Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. Well, good morning and welcome, particularly if you're a guest with us this morning. I'm Sam, if we haven't met yet, and we've been saying this for the past few weeks. We all revolve around something and life works better when we revolve around Jesus. Now, it's true of life, but it's also true of work. We all, and many of us, revolve around work and work works better when it revolves around Jesus. And it's a biblical principle that we see as we've been reading through the book of Colossians. And Paul, very succinctly in chapter 3, verse 23, gives us the dynamic of what makes Christians different from so many who work in the world. He says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as if you're working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you'll receive an inheritance from the Lord as a, result, as a reward. It is the Lord Christ that you are serving, in brackets, when you work. There's three words that have been triggering a lot of people. It's been triggering me. I don't know if it's triggered you. We've come to know it in the last 12, 18, 24 months. The words are work from home. And I know those words, right, are striking fear into the hearts of many parents out there. Uh, it's caused, it's, it's given rise to a medical condition for many of us called zoomitis. It's where one just no longer has the ability or the capacity to have a meeting in front of a screen anymore. Uh, it, it has people, as we speak, eagerly pressing shirts and doing all they can to get out of the home and back to the office this week if restrictions ease. Either way, work from home has been a phrase that we've come to either love or hate, depends which way you go. And that phrase, the reason that it triggers us so much, shows us that, I don't know about you, but I think perhaps the greatest impact that this pandemic has had on our personal lives has not got to do whether or not we've got the jab, but the impact that it's had on our job. Uh, as a pastor, I've seen the broad spectrum of what's happened over the past 24 months. On one hand, there are people who are absolutely flat stick, people who have never worked so hard, been so stressed in all of their life. They're pulling their hair out or they're rejoicing at the other end as they've been in areas of business that have been bolstered uh, by this pandemic in unexpected ways. At the other end, I've sat and I've counseled people that have lost their jobs. And a report from Hayes HR Consulting says that a Gartner report says that in the order of 30 to 40% of Australians are looking to change their job within the next 12 months. That's a huge statistic. The impact of your job and my job on our lives is significant, much bigger than many things, particularly little viruses, have had on us during this pandemic. Now, here's the thing, and I want to front load it up front in case you're inclined to turn off the telly and think, this guy's a pastor, what's he talking about? What would he know about work and corporate life? Let me just say this up front so you don't miss it. Your job is not your work. Your job's not your work. And we've confused it, and we've confused it when we've taken Jesus out of the centre of work, when we've decentered Jesus from our work, we've confused the job with work. And, it, and what happens is we normally go at, at, at either ends of this spectrum and it's summed up in a phrase that you might know. Re recall the old phrase that says, do you live to work or work to live? Do you live to work or work to live? And in fact, that phrase sums up what happens when we confuse job with work. 
you go to either end of the spectrum, there's a low view and there's a high view of work. The low view of work is where you just work to live. In other words, work is the sort of thing that you do because you have to so you can do the things that you want to. Amen? You just work so you can do the things that you want to. It's the low end of, of it's the low view of work and as a result, it's coined phrases such as TGIF. Thank God it's Friday. In fact, I think they even started a restaurant chain after it in the United States. Uh, for another generation, there was a great song that said, everybody's working for the... You insert the answer into the uh, live stream and we'll send you some jelly beans or a little prize in church. But you get the point. That's the low view of work. You just, you just work to live. You work to live. <laughs> the high view is that you live to work or the overemphasized view is that you live to work. This is the type of person, and it may be you, I may be speaking to you, where work is everything where work has become everything to you. Your job has become everything to you uh, because, well, your job has become the source of your status and your significance and your approval. And ultimately, it's become your source and of identity. You've, you've decentered Jesus out of the center of your life as your identity and you've replaced it with your job, which is what the Bible calls idolatry. It's a thing we humans do all the time. We substitute good things and as we'll see soon, work is a good thing. We substitute good things and make it our ultimate thing. And ultimately when sin pervades our life and sin is not good deeds versus bad deeds, sin is self-interest inhabiting human flesh. When we twist work with self-interest, it becomes everything everything but remember your job is not your work which means because I may have lost 30% of you already today it means if you're a retiree I need to say just because you may not have a job anymore doesn't mean that there's not work for you to do your job is not your work it means if you're a mum it means if you're unemployed it means if you're a dad it means if you're a carer or a guardian Job is not work. There is something greater here that we see with work. And I want us to capture this, that work is important to God and God is important to your work. Work is important to God and God is important to your work. And you might not think that God has much, got much to say about this, but I have to remind you that God invented work. You go all the way back to the very beginning of the Bible, the book of Genesis in chapter 2, and it says, The heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array, and by the seventh day God had finished the work he'd been doing. And then in verse 15, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden, paradise, to work it and to take care of it. And so work is important to God. The startling truth here is if you look closely, God worked. It says here that he, he rested on the seventh day. And there's even more bad news for you, depending if you've got this unredeemed view of work. There's terrible news for you. Do you know what? Work is going to be part of heaven. There's going to be work in heaven because we see here in the way that the Bible describes work. Work, work is not something that you do in order to go and do the things that you want to do. Work is something invented by God, something... God has commissioned. Genesis 1, God's a worker. Genesis 1 verse 26, God makes us in his image. Genesis chapter 2, God puts human into the garden to work. This is God's pattern. And let's just pause for a second on this image of God as a gardener placing man into the garden. What do gardeners do? Do they pave? Do they sit back? Do they relax? 
No, gardeners tend, they're active, they're toiling, they're visualising, they're co-creating, they're partnering with the creation. And it's amazing imagery here that gives us the biblical definition of work. And here it is, you ready? Work, not job, remember. Work, your work is to take raw materials and to rearrange them for the purposes of flourishing God's good creation. To take raw materials, to to take wisdom and knowledge if you're a retiree or a stay-at-home parent. To take the beauty and the wonder of, of the notes that you hear or you don't hear if you're a musician. To take lines and deliver them in such a way that if you're an actor or an actress that flourishes the people around you. Are you getting this? Work is not your job. Work is the invitation to co-create with God and partner with Him in flourishing the garden that He has placed you in. What garden are you in? (laughs) Are you in the work from home garden this week? And can you see there's no such thing as work from home? And we'll see that from Paul in a second. Can there be no nobler definition of work? Is that how you wake up tomorrow morning, Monday? Beginning of work, beginning of another week. Oh, yes, <laughs> I've, I've been called to co-create and partner with God in flourishing His creation. So much more than a job. And so here's how you know if you've redeemed your view of work. Here's how you know if you've brought God into the centre of your work. Litmus test, you ready for it? If you won the lottery tomorrow, would you vacation or vocation? If you won the lottery tomorrow, would, would you vacation or vocation? Here's what I mean by this. Like, would you just stop working? Or would you find something else to do to flourish the world around you? I can already half answer it for you. You know, there was a, a syndicate of teachers in the United States that won $32 million in the lottery. And within a matter of weeks, they found that they actually went back to their teaching jobs. They couldn't handle not being a part of it because work for them was so much more than the job. It was part of the calling to flourish the children's lives that they had been a part of. And what it shows us is that work is so much more than a job. Work work is as is, is much a need for the human soul as food, as beauty, as rest, as friendship. And it stands to reason, doesn't it? Haven't you found that when you don't have work, If you've ever been in that situation, how soul-destroying it is? Is it no wonder there's there's such a grief when we're taking out, out of those places of vocation, of work, of places where we can flourish the creation around us? And so how how do we possibly cultivate a dynamic where we can redeem our view of work? Because remember, (laughs) work matters to God. The way that we redeem our perspective on this is we've got to realise that God matters to our work. And that's where this career man that we've been reading from, Paul in the book of Colossians, comes in. And many, many years after Genesis 2, he comes in. And and by the way, Paul himself, he had a stellar career. (laughs) Paul Paul was a theologian of theologians. Uh, He was a tent maker. That was what we modern people call a side hustle. Yes, it's biblical to have a side hustle. Paul was side hustling, he was a writer, he was a church planter, 
He was a leader. Paul had a stellar career and he says the secret to it all is this. Whatever you do, Colossians 3.23, do it all with all your heart as if you are working for Jesus, not human masters. Paul brings Jesus back into the center of our work. And so not only is work important to God, but God is important to your work. I mean, if you asked Paul, Paul, I'm one of the 32% of people in Australia that want to change my job this year. What what should I do? What should my career path be, Paul? Paul would say, whatever. You'd say, I'm retired. What do I do now, Paul? Whatever. I'm a mum or a dad grappling with the fact that I'm not employed in the same way. What should I do, Paul? Whatever. Paul would say, whatever. Whatever it is that you do, do it for Jesus. And Paul says the preeminent issue when it comes to your job is not what you do, but who you do it for. And when you take that to the centre of your soul, a wonderful thing happens. An amazing, liberating thing happens. When you take Jesus back into the centre of your work, it gives you a freedom from your work and it gives you a freedom in your work. You hearing this? It gives you a freedom from your work because when you are working for Jesus, guess what? who you're no longer working for? And don't say your boss. It's not about your boss. Because if you're the high overachieving stuff, you're not working for your boss, you're not working for Jesus, you're working for you. You're working for your advancement, for your sense of security, for for your sense of status, for your sense of purpose, for your sense of significance. And so when you work for Jesus, suddenly you're no longer working for yourself, you work for him. The great substitution has happened where the idols of the heart, as we Christians call it, are removed and we place Jesus at the centre of everything again. And suddenly you start working in such a way that you say, he has called me to tend the garden that he has placed me. And so suddenly work is no longer a job. Work is a calling. You know, ironically, the Latin word for vocation, vocare, literally means to call. It means calling. Would you vacation or vocare? Would you live a life of lazing about on a beach somewhere or would you live your calling? co-creating with God in the garden that he's placed you in. And so it gives you a freedom from your work. It means that work no longer becomes your means to success or survival, approval or status. And let's be real, guys. This is, as a pastor, I've seen this. I know that for many of us, our work grips us. Why else would so many of us have felt such seismic grief at the shifts in our jobs and our workplaces in the last 12 to 24 months. Because if we dare to look deep enough inside ourselves, myself included, there's always a self-interested part of us in our work. And those moments in which we are either consciously or subconsciously no longer working for Jesus but for ourselves, what is pain and grief but the stripping away of that very thing that we are working towards to build our sense of purpose and identity? And of course, it's crushing when you lose a business, lose a job. Your job is impacted because at some level, it's impacted who we are at the deepest level. Jesus gives you a freedom from that. But Jesus not only gives you a freedom from your work, he gives you a freedom in your work. There was a great movie out once called Horrible Bosses. It was, I don't know what, I didn't watch it that much, but... It just sums up how a lot of people can feel. I'm lucky I've got a very good boss, the Lord Jesus Christ. So I've got the best boss in the world. 
Uh, for those that are outside of ministry, it's a little bit more difficult. Some of you might be dealing with that this week. And Paul's antidote for that is to say, look, just remind yourself, you're not working for them, you're working for him. You're not working for him, you're not working for the clients, you're not working for an audience, you're not working for the grades, you're working for him. And when you do that, it gives you a freedom in your work. Paul says, Colossians 3, like I said, since then you've been raised with Christ, set your mind and your heart on the things above. Paul says, you're not here. The things that you are getting yourself so emotionally caught up in this week. As a Northsider once reminded me, we're having coffee in Double Bay and he said, you know what, at the end of the day, the things I'm getting worried about this morning aren't even going to exist in 100 years' time. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun. In light of eternity, Paul says, the things that we are dealing with, hold them up to that. And when you do so, there's a freedom in your work. You can, you can whistle while you work again. <laughs> Because there is purpose to what you are doing. And here's the purpose of your work. Your, your purpose of your life at work is to show people how God is at work in your life. Your purpose of your life at work is to show people God at work in your life. And so what that means, wherever you are and whatever you do, Paul says, there is an opportunity for you to do real work. Dallas Willard says, your job is not your work. Your work is the sum total of your thoughts and your will and emotions and your job and your social interaction. Your work is the sum total of all that God has crafted you to be and all that God has granted you to do and the way that you enter into that, that is the definition of work. And so when you sit at your desk, whether it be at home or in an office eventually, those mystical places that once existed pre-pandemic, you'll know there'll be a freedom in what you do. And so, I guess this morning, all I need to ask you is this, what garden has God placed you into? There's no such thing as work from home. It's work from wherever you are. God has invited you in this morning, first and foremost, to redeem your view of work. Work is not your job. God has invited you to partner with him in flourishing, taking raw materials, taking your wisdom, taking your knowledge, taking your beauty, taking all the things that you want to do and co-create with him and flourish the world that is around you. And trust me, this week, there is a world out there that's going to need a lot of flourishing in all of its upside-downness. What it means is for all of you, what does it mean for you who are mums and dads and guardians and grandparents and accountants and actresses and musicians and lawyers and tradepersons and students and unemployed. What does it mean to bring Jesus back into the centre of your work, not your job, your work, so that you flourish the world that is around you? Because work is important to God. He invented it. He created you for it. There is an eternity's worth of it. And I can't wait to be with him for all eternity, with all the power and the might to co-create with him dream scenes and scenarios in, in which we get to tend eternal and cosmic physical gardens with him. I might even be able to build my own golf course with him. Who knows? But God created you and I to do work, not just now for all eternity. Isn't that an amazing thought? Work's important to God. But most importantly, if you want a freedom from your work and in your work, then you've got to realise how important God is to your work and when you grasp that and when you take Jesus back to the center of that you can whistle again <laughs> you can sing again 
You can be stable. You won't get rattled. You can be steady. You can be joyful in all that you do. Let's pray. Father, we commit each and every one of us to you wherever we may be in this broad spectrum of work. Father, I want to pray over particularly those those who have been given in to the lie that their work is their life, that their work is their significance, that their work or their job more specifically is all that they amount to. Father, I would pray that as, as they listen to these words of yours, that their eyes be opened to the fact that there are plans and purposes ahead of them this morning. Father, outside of everything cosmic at the moment, I'm praying simply for an extra dose of strength and resilient for people in difficult jobs this week. People who've got difficult decisions to face, people who've got uh, uncertain futures, not only for their jobs, but maybe for their companies or whatever it might be. Father, I just pray an extra dose of your Holy Spirit's strength, wisdom, guidance as they seek to faithfully carry out their roles this week. For all of those that are sitting on the fence, Lord God, I would pray that as they take you to the center of their job life, those 32 to 40 percenters of our population at the moment, uh, that your peace, which transcends all understanding, would fall upon them, that they would see these decisions, not one out of uh, reaction, but one out of an excitement, knowing that any potential change, which might be a good and worthy thing, is in accordance with your plan and will for their life. So we commit this to you, Father God. And I pray that you would do your work amongst us in Jesus' name. Amen. I love the fact that that Northsider said, well, in 100 years, nothing I'm doing now for a job will be any significant. And he summed up the great problem that is uh, ahead of us all. And that is, how do we do anything that's ever really of any significance? And in fact, when it comes to work, which work matters most? And I think the fundamental question at everyone's soul... (laughs) at the centre of everyone's soul when it comes to work is, well, what sort of work do I have to do to inherit eternal life? In fact, um, there was a rich young guy who asked Jesus that very question. <laughs> it's always on people's minds whether you're a Bible character or whether you're, whether you're a modern Sydney cider. What it is it that I have to do ultimately be in a place, the place that Paul talks about of eternal joy and wonder. And what makes a Christian a Christian is to realise that we didn't do the work, Jesus did the work. The Christianity is the only religion in the world where you're going to have to work out what you're going to do when you realise that you don't need to do anything at all. As we take communion this morning, let's not miss this. I didn't preach it because we need to stop and understand this in this moment. The most significant work and the one piece of work that we could never do in on of our own strength reconcile ourselves to God, make ourselves right with God again, breathe life into ourselves for all eternity. The only work that we are ultimately hoping for at the center of of our soul has already been done. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.